0: Episode 29, March 6, 2021. We are 29 episodes into this bad boy. This is WNEP Newswatch 16 star, Terminator Travis, and Eminoxo.
1: Yeah. Yeah, what he said. Sure. Um.
0: I am a local TV celebrity, so that's my new intro every time I get introduced, and I demand that from here on out. Yeah.
1: But you even said that you didn't know what the hell was going on and you just got thrown on a television to talk about something relative. And my response to everything as far as your little uh, appearance was, there's gonna be one person, one person who's so wound up and so uptight they're gonna probably be screaming in their minds thinking why isn't your mask over your nose
0: <laughs> I
1: guarantee it
0: <laughs> you know I cringe every time I
1: watch that clip <laughs> even though I, I endorse it I just can't watch it <laughs> so then wait, wait what is it about it that makes it so cringe worthy just the way I for look. you. The way I look, the uh, way I talk, the way I sound. I didn't know I sounded like that when I talk. You've never re-listened to anything you've ever done. I do, but I don't know. It's I'm just something I'm not used
0: to. What is it you're not used to? You're here, here like going back to like really listening to
1: my voice on a regular basis. So you never like listen back to your own work to try and uh, see how much better you can make it. Yeah, but it's still weird. Well, it makes it you're making it seem like this is like a one-time occasion that makes it unique. Other well, than, it, yeah. it, in
0: this case, yes, because I it went on television.
1: <laughs> I, I I don't think negatively when I appeared on the WWE network. I mean, I made a fool out of myself, but I would just safely say that I made zach Ryder and Kurt Hawkins' day. So that's why I never looked back on that moment badly.
0: Well, yeah, there are times we've been on TV in the crowd. Uh, the ROH uh, shows we used to do,
1: the Four Eight Raw. Yep, that one Raw after WrestleMania 29, the infamous one where Fandangoing was a thing. And then uh, here's the other thing. Remember how great that Raw was? You you may not even remember this, but remember how every crowd after that tried to replicate it, and it just came off so fucking bad. It was just like, don't even. Come on!
0: They really tried so hard. I, <laughs> I, I gave them credit. They tried, but there's no way that was lightning in a bottle. What we did.
1: Yeah, it was the same thing with the Daniel Bryan thing from uh, the Raw after WrestleMania 28. The one where he got beaten like 18 seconds, and then the whole crowd just decided to make it the Daniel Bryan show by doing yes, yes, yes. Hey, I mean, that was a once in a lifetime thing. So See, but we
0: took that moment, we took that and took, you know, took it to the next level. Oh, the yeah, because... The, the year after, they try to get the Cesaro thing over. The Cesaro Tony does with his arms? Mm-hmm. With the
1: uh, Jack Swagger theme, they tried, but it didn't catch on. Well, because that's not Cesaro. Like, Cesaro is not the whole We the People thing. I mean, because I think at that time, he was doing We the People... Yeah, they had the Real Americans uh, tag team, him and uh, Swagger. Yeah, that wasn't him. Or at least I, I never got that vibe that that was him. That was Jack Swagger's thing. That's why it worked for him. But it didn't work for Cesaro. Not in my opinion.
0: No. But, I mean, they tried. They failed. There was no way they could uh, duplicate us. And even if, they, if that same exact crowd we, you know, they had that night was to come again, I don't think it would work as well as the first time.
1: Nah, that was like a bottle. And plus, the Daniel Bryan thing, as we said, there was a point to it. It was the audience basically telling WWE, "This is our guy." Whereas that one was just they were gonna we were gonna entertain ourselves because they decided to take a piss in our in our cereal by saying, uh, "Your vote matters. Please vote, please vote." And then when the vote comes out and it doesn't come out to their liking, they decide to negate it, and then we just don't care. Yep,
0: and this is going to be a pretty good uh, transition. You see, the night with Daniel Bryan, Yes, 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 was like... Think of it like Trading Places, the movie. And then the 4-8 Raw with Us was like our Coming to America, the 89 version. And what everyone else tried to do after was this year's Coming to America, which is a film we just saw last night. Um, Coming to America is a sequel to Coming to America... Stars Eddie Murphy, Arsenio Hall, and 99% of the original cast.
1: Yeah. The only people that didn't come back was the Queen, obviously, because she passed away long before this movie was even conceived. Uh, the guy who played Daryl, he did not come back. And uh, Patrice, she did not come back for whatever reason. I don't even think she was even mentioned, which is even crazier to even think about. But...
0: Whatever. who knows? Uh there was no uh Soul Glow name drop, unfortunately. At least none that I remember.
1: Uh they had images in the background when the uh the bar burst.
0: Yeah, no yeah, just almost like a almost like a Easter egg.
1: Yeah, but that was about it. But uh we're gonna kinda but give a little double film review. I'll let you go first. Before going into this uh, I read a bunch of reviews, most of them negative. The the ones that never really hit close to home was the ones that said, oh, this is a bad movie, it's just not funny. That don't really reflect my opinion on a film because that's all personal perspective. I mean, regardless, most reviews should not reflect how you go into it because if somebody hypes it up as a terrible movie nine times out of ten you're gonna not think that because the movie itself is going to not meet the expectations of being a bad film and saying vice versa so that being said uh i went into it hearing that there was a lot of negative reviews and again that didn't sway me what kind of concerned me was i normally do not post my political opinions but there was a lot of woke politics being shoved in here. I'm not I, I'm not of the opinion, regardless if you're conservative or if you're liberal, to take a movie, take an art, and use it as a platform to shove your politics in people's faces, because that's just going to alienate your audience, regardless of what it is. And and don't get a whole, oh, there's difference between right and wrong. And it, at, at the end of the day, it's. I think we can differentiate certain rights and wrongs that everybody can abide to. And there are certain political opinions that are misconstrued by both parties. It's nothing new. That's the whole gist. Anyway, so I watched it, knowing that there were people who thought this. And I came out of it saying to myself, I didn't see really much of anything woke. Uh, Maybe there was a lot of female empowerment, but it wasn't that obvious. Like, not obvious to the point where it was like at the expense of the movie, per se. I don't think it was. Uh, I'm one of the few that liked it, liked this film. I didn't love it. I didn't, like, say, think that this is the greatest sequel of all time. It is definitely not the original. As I said, there were characters in this movie that I wanted to see that were in it. Particularly the Barbers and Randy Watson. They were the ones I really wanted to see make a comeback, and they were there. Uh, I have no real complaints about the film. Uh, again, is it amazing? No. If you're going in with the expectations that this is going to be the greatest movie of all time, please lower those expectations because it really isn't. There are, uh, obviously the original is way better, but I did not go into it going thinking that this is going to be as good as the original. It just isn't Eddie Murphy's in a different place as far as financially and where his career is. It just isn't going to be the same. Same with Arsenio Hall. I like a lot of the nods that they made. They brought back the woman that was supposed to be his queen, and she's still hopping like a fucking dog after all these years. I thought that was really funny. Um, But yeah, I mean, it really wasn't anything that overtly annoyed me. A lot of people didn't like the person that was supposed to play his son. He didn't bother me too much, but... That's just me personally. Overall, I would give it a solid 7. 7 out of 10. Really? Definitely, yeah, I, I wouldn't call it perfect. But I can't say I didn't enjoy myself because that would be a lie. I did enjoy myself. I thought it was good. It definitely had flaws. It definitely wasn't perfect. It, it was a fine film. And if you're also the type that liked nostalgia, this had plenty of it. It had plenty of nostalgia to to really uh, fill your your rainbow tinted glasses for you. So overall, it was fine, not perfect, not the original. That's where I stand. Hmm.
0: Okay. Oh, well, I think when it comes to nostalgia factor, I think the best uh, I was I guess show right. that has done that cashing off of the fame from the 80s would be Cobra Kai. Uh, coming to America, I would, uh, does have its nostalgic factors, of course, we mentioned the casting, um, McDowell's, uh, they brought back John Amos for, like, a, a cup of coffee, he was there for a scene or two, uh, even Louis Anderson came back to, to uh, do his little, I guess, I would even say cameo, and he may have, had like, two lines or something.
1: So, I mean, obviously, they weren't long, but I would say he had more than two lines per se, I mean, really, the cameos were obviously his original queen that was still hopping like a dog all these years. Um, but yeah, the the bulk of the movie is mostly Eddie Murphy, Arsenio Hall, Leslie Jones, this new uh, king or prince, uh, his daughters. Those are the major bulk. I mean, even uh, Lisa, I mean she she was more focal in the second half of the film, but in the first half she didn't really have much. Mm-hmm. And James Earl Jones has got a few scenes in there. Uh, any other returning characters? I mean, the um, barbers. Uh.
0: The barbers, uh, of course, the preacher that uh, Arsenio Hall plays. Uh, uh The yeah. twins from the first one, they came at the very end, did a little beatbox that they did when they introduced themselves in the club scene in the first one. That one um, I was kind of surprised. They're like, oh, wow, they even brought them back.
1: Yeah, it was a bunch of cameos in here. Morgan Freeman, Salt and uh Trevor Noah. Who the hell else was in there? Uh, Col- oh, uh, Colin Jost had a uh, one scene role. And it, it had quite a name. A list of names. Uh, the returning Morgan. guys. Oh, Tracy Morgan and Wesley Snipes. Obviously, I, I actually enjoyed Wesley Snipes in this film. He, yes, movie. I thought he was. He had the best performance in the entire movie. Yes. And Leslie Jones didn't annoy me, even though I can see if somebody saw her role and she was being annoying. But I think that was the whole point of her character. She's a, a New Yorker. <laughs> New Yorkers are known to be can tend to be very annoying people for the most part. I can say that. I'm from the East Coast. I'm literally right next door to New York. But, yeah. That's... I thought she did fine. But that maybe that's why I think she's so good. But I'm sorry. Go ahead.
0: I, I, I don't know. I'm one of the i'm in the minority where i really don't see the hype in leslie jones a lot of people saying oh she's good she's good she's funny i this is a again this is only the second movie i've seen her in the other movie was of course ghostbusters i know that's not a good example but i don't know if it's a situation where hollywood just doesn't know how to cast her or they don't really know what to do with her i mean this has happened with comedians in the past i mean they had no idea what to do with someone like stephen wright yeah. But I don't know, I just, because she was annoying for me in this movie. Not not too much, but she did have her scenes where I was like, uh, I kind of I wanted to hit the fast forward button. But obviously the biggest draw for me with this film was the obviously the casting and of course coming to America, even though the majority of films
1: took place back in Zamunda. The thing is, I kind of expected it to be mostly based in Africa because what other purposes do you have to be in America? Like, even reading the plot, I was like, oh, so he has a son and he wants to make him king obviously most of his film's going to be in zamunda at this point like he went the only reason he went to america was to find his bride and that's the reason that the whole bulk of the film had to be in america because he's looking for his bride and he's building that relationship between him and lisa whereas here it's like i mean other than to find his son and bring him back to zamunda and be king i mean yeah you could probably build the whole movie center around new york but I pretty much knew from the get go as soon as I saw the plot or read what the plot was supposed to be like. I knew most of it was going to be in Zamunda. And that part didn't bother me at all, personally.
0: But, I mean, I understand why they did it. I mean, I would say they did it more so to kind of to shoehorn in uh, the other characters that Eddie and Arsenio play, like the barbershop, the, the preacher, kind of just to get them in there because, you know, they were like one of the highlights of the original.
1: Oh yeah, um, yeah. The, the Reverend who kept saying if loving the Lord is wrong, I don't want to be right. And uh, obviously Randy Watson. I mean, I'm a little disappointed that he didn't. Uh, he only had a singing role. He didn't. He didn't get to speak, or he didn't have his mic drop moment. Yeah, I was. was like,
0: I was waiting for the mic drop at the very end after they all like clapped at his performance. It's just the mic drop, and he just walks
1: off stage. Yeah, or and and he stops his speech Sex, chocolate, <laughs> and then <laughs> yeah. they. they start off with, like, man, you're such a beautiful audience, man. Give yourself a round of applause, man. And while you're in the clapping mood, I want you to uh, look at my man uh, sexual chocolate. I mean, he was the best part other than
0: the barbers. The storyline, it was basic, easy to follow. It may have been flat for some people, but, I mean, what were you expecting? Uh, as I mentioned, uh, Leslie was, eh, I really wasn't feeling it with her. Tracy Morgan was fine. I felt some of his he was fine. Uh, he could have had more scenes. Um The Sun I thought uh ugh, I I didn't really like the actor they chose. I I don't know, I thought his performance was a little flat for me. None of his jokes worked. Um I noticed the budget. It's weird because it feels like they were cheap, but at the same time they spent a lot of money, if that makes sense.
1: Sixty million, I believe. 60? oh wow. I got
0: I would have thought it was lower than that, but I you could tell they spent money on the clothes, on the costume design. But at the same time, I don't know, it felt like when they were in New York, I don't know if this had anything to do with the pandemic, maybe that took effect and they uh they couldn't get as many people. But it felt like every time they were in New York it felt it almost felt like they were in like in a close set. Every like every time they were in the streets it felt like nobody else was around.
1: I don't remember when they started filming. I could have sworn they started filming in 2019 because I think originally it was supposed the film was supposed to come out in 2020 until the pandemic hit. I, I could be wrong. I, I could have my timeline completely mixed up because obviously this pandemic's kind of fucked a lot of things up for people. So, um, yeah, I don't... I, I I can see where you're coming from on that point, but I guess the other thing is is because New York's such a crowded area and coming to America is such a beloved film it probably would have been hard to have Eddie Murphy and Arsenio Hall trying to film in New York City without garnering too much attention that's the only thing I can think of but I I'm talking out of my ass probably because I'm assuming they've made tons of movies with real big-time actors in New York City and not had a problem but I don't know I, I can't tell you the reason
0: yeah say so they film all the time whether it be for movies or are they doing like episodes of like I don't see a sign New York, a Law and Order, or whatever. Like they film around New York, Queens, Harlem all the time. So right. I, 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 wouldn't think that would be the biggest issue. Uh, I don't know. I again, you mentioned the filming. Tw- I don't know when they started doing the filming. I don't know if it, they maybe filmed most of the stuff in 2019, but maybe they needed to still film like the New York City stuff. Uh, and then a the pandemic hit. I don't. I don't know. I didn't really look too much behind the scenes of it, but at least that's how it came off to me.
1: As I said, most of the film was supposed to be in Swounda, so I can't really say for certain if if that really bothered me. I'd have to watch it again. This isn't a film I would definitely consider watching again, but nowhere near, like, like I said, nowhere near the original. But again, you're talking about a different performer at a different time in a different place. I mean, when you're young and you're hungry and you really want to get your name out there, you're going to deliver a better product. When Eddie Murphy is in the year 2021 and he's had a made career made with classic performances coming to America, Dr. Dool- Dr. Doolittle, uh, Nutty Professor, uh, D- D- Beverly Hills Cop, uh, Vampire Brooklyn, uh, Harlem Nights. I mean, really, he's at a point where he's made like he doesn't have to give performance of the year. He's, he's a made star. So I don't think he was going to give his best, but that's probably also why I did not go away mad at this film, because my expectations... I I was expecting to be entertained because, hey, it's coming to America. I loved the, the first film. It's one of my favorite Eddie Murphy films ever. In fact, I think it is my favorite Eddie Murphy film ever um my favorite james l jones performance other than uh obviously him Royce, Darth vader uh, everybody in coming to america really smacked the ball out of the park but the sequel i never would have expected to ever have been made and sure enough we got a sequel and it was pretty much what i expected it was a good movie i wouldn't call it great i would call it good for me i would say it's okay
0: it doesn't insult the original film i mean it's kind of cool to see you know what happens next with all these characters but as i mentioned it doesn't insult the the uh, original film is this film necessary to have a sequel no but at the same time it does no harm to the first film it's it's almost like uh it's like the first film's
1: greatest hits yeah and, and keep in mind if you didn't enjoy this i have no problem with you i can understand why i just would uh, think that you would need to lower your expectations when it comes to sequels that are being released 30 years after that because now you're talking about a hype that's never going to be delivered to put it that way there was one thing that did not make sense to me i'm going to be honest with you one scene that didn't make sense to me was um the scene where uh, what's his face? When well, they revealed how he impregnated another woman before meeting Lisa, but I can clearly remember after the bar, they're walking towards a fence, mm-hmm. saying, "Why can't we meet like good girls? Because everyone seems to have psychological problems." Yes, yes, yes. they met the uh, when that's when the old man barber was closing up his shop, and they ran to him oh. and. Was that supposed to be the same night? Was that supposed to be right after? Was that supposed to be after they slept with these two other girls? I think they got their timelines a little bit skewed. Yeah, that that part was weird. I was like, so wait
0: a minute. He had sex with this girl and, like... It, it was... Yeah, okay. that Yeah. That part really didn't make sense. I can see why people were frustrated with the storyline because I was like where? like this whole time when he went when he mentioned he has sons where when did he have time to have sex with another girl while well, he was in the in America in the first film so that, uh, that whole
1: part was like shoehorned in there yeah because there was really no way they were going to be able to make it make sense at this point so I guess they just said fuck logic
0: but um, overall I thought it was it was okay with me uh, Wesley Snaps was the best part of this film I swear, man, this guy needs to be back to doing movies again, like doing like
1: the big budget movies.
0: And I want him even more. I want him back as Blade because obviously he still got it.
1: <laughs> yeah, he was very entertaining in this film. I, I cannot take that away from him. He was super good in this film.
0: I mean, uh-huh. but, but seeing how everyone like came basically came back in this movie and, is, and the majority of them <laughs> looks like they haven't even aged a day. I mean, it goes to show you that blacks don't crack.
1: Everyone came back Like we said, Louis Anderson Johnny Amos uh, the, the one, Again, the woman who was supposed to be The original queen where she's hopping on one leg Barking like a dog uh, She came back The twin sisters as you said uh, Again, the only characters that didn't come back Were Daryl, uh, Patrice And the queen And the only reason the queen didn't come back Was because the actress who played her passed away Passed away right around when Lion King came out. So, you know, uh, there's one thing, uh, There's one person, I wish
0: would have had a cameo in this, and that was the original director of the first film, John Landis. Overall, you enjoyed it. You enjoyed it more than I did. I thought it was okay. Would I recommend it? And it wouldn't hurt. Why not? I mean, it's it's on. You know, you have Amazon Prime, it's free. It's not a movie. I think you should. If it was in theater, I wouldn't say go see it in the theater. I say wait till it comes out. Well, if you have Amazon Prime you got 100 minutes to kill why not it ain't gonna hurt especially if you love the first movie you might get a kick out of the second one you might not
1: yeah they are gonna be things you'll enjoy especially for nostalgia's sake
0: and before we get to today's movie discussion I'd like to promote our Patreon patreon.com slash just network you can follow this guy monoxide on Instagram at Owen underscore heart underscore guy on Twitter at Monoxide, YouTube, you can follow me on Twitter as well at Silent Poison. Same for Instagram at Silent Poison. I have Snapchat you, also at Silent Poison. And don't forget, you can listen to this episode along with our other great past episodes for just one dollar. One dollar on patreoncom network With that said, we're gonna get into a. You guys are getting a double review because we we wanted to talk about coming to America. And now we're going to get into the, uh, I guess, the main attraction, if you want to call it that. (laughs) Uh, For today's film discussion, uh, we have a little story with this film. It is called 100 Acres of Hell. This came out in 2019 or 2020. It doesn't really matter what year it came out. It stars former professional wrestler Gene Snitsky in a leading role. He also co-produced it. He co-wrote it. So in a way, this is kind of like a, almost like a passion project of his, if you want to say. 100 Acres of Hell.
1: He wrote it and he produced it, right? Yes. So, he theoretically, if we didn't enjoy this, he can't sit here and make the claim it wasn't in his fault, because it definitely was his fault. (laughs) He's going to have to take the blame for this one, yes. Yes, okay. So, let me be clear here. Um, Here's a tidbit that probably few people know. But, we actually got to meet Snitsky. At a Halloween party, yes. Um, pro- he was promoting a different movie, though, if I'm correct. He was promoting this one. Yes, Hundred Acres of Hell. Okay, he's promoting this film, and we got to meet him because he's good friends with the guy who ran the party. Dude was very nice, strong as hell. Like you shook his hand, that dude almost breaks your hand. Fucking strong, motherfucker. He's um, big. Um, <laughs> he's jacked man like god bless him he's got it jacked his can i i cannot like get mad at somebody who's really takes care of themselves physically Um uh, so overall as a wrestler he had his moments he was fun uh, obviously with the it's not my fault thing uh, uh same thing with the uh, he had gimmicks where uh, he had the foot fetish with gold dust the shit that he did with Kane, where apparently he's the heel after uh, killing Lita's uh, baby that was created via rape. Yes, <laughs> that's the territory we're talking. About, okay, <laughs> so I never would have partaken him to be a movie guy. Never would have thought that. But whatever, he wanted to make a movie. I mean, he produced it, so. That much we know. I went into this one with the same exact feelings as coming to America—low expectations. A, hey, it's a horror film, and before turning this movie on, I made sure to ask Travis here, who suggested it. Uh, what are we uh, looking at here? And he said, uh, "Don't keep your expectations low." I'm like, oh, so this definitely Is not of the same caliber As Killer Pinata Oh, Jesus Um Okay Where do we start? I was gonna say Think
0: of You haven't seen this movie, but think of the film Wrong Turn Wrong Turn is basically the hills have eyes But set in the woods instead of the desert this film is, like, a discount version of Wrong Turn.
1: <laughs> okay. Continue. So, the basis of the movie is that this main character, Buck Seavers, is a famous professional wrestler. So, yes, he's supposed to be a famous wrestler. And he even references, like, WrestleMania 23 and 27, although he references matches that never happen.
0: Well, I, I think they said Mania.
1: They did use the term Mania or WrestleMania or something. It's but they mentioned 23. 23 and 27. Yeah. And they mentioned matches that not only didn't happen on those shows, never happened, period. But I I get it. It's, it's fantasy. So whatever. So he suffered some sort of traumatic experience involving his family that never at any point is explained throughout this film what happened. Did he have, lose a daughter? Did he lose a mother? Did he lose a wife? Did he lose all three? Did he... I, I, never at any point is it said. He's just a guy that went through a family traumatic experience. I can recall a story that kind of had the same philosophy. Many people who are familiar with video gaming will know of a story or a video game called hong kong 97. it's infamous for being one of the worst video games of all time but the story is is that there is a distant relative of bruce lee named chin who needs to destroy communist china by killing 1.2 billion people okay but it doesn't explain his relationship with Bruce other than he's just a distant relative. Never goes that deep, but then again, we're talking about a video game that was released on Super Nintendo. That's what the vibe I got here. It's like, there's just no explanation for most of the stuff that's going on. Even the swerves don't make any sense because they're just so random. I, it's so random that I wonder to myself, did Smitsky produce this or Vince Russo? Because there were swerves, two of them, nonetheless. This just came out of nowhere and were never explained. Now, the basis of the film is that this guy, what was it, Buck Severs? Yes. Goes on a camping trip, not realizing that there is a guy, what was his name, Jeff Buckley? Oh, uh, the killer shit? thing was Jeb. Jeb some, uh, the killer's named Jeb. Jeb, who was played by one and a half of the head shrinker, Sam Lu. Okay. They, they show in the first scene in the film this Jeb guy back in the 70s killed two random old couple. No, this random old couple in their house.
0: Yes, he killed the mountain ranger and his wife.
1: And there's no backstory to this Jeb guy. There's no explanation to why he looks the way he looks. He kind of looks like Jason without the mask. Yeah, he has a deformed look. He's very powerful, although he is beatable because he does get beaten at the end and dies. But it's just like no explanation to this guy's power. No explanation to this guy's need for vengeance to kill people. No explanation to how he survived the gunshot to the face in the first scene. No explanation as to why he's still on a killing rampage 40 years after the fact. It defies all like meaning to this film. Now, you guys know me. I'm a big killer pinata fan. It's a great movie. It's 100% serial. But that being said... The reason is because I know the film isn't supposed to take itself seriously. I also enjoyed the hell out of Suburban Sasquatch. Because it was meant to be taken seriously, but it's just so ridiculously hokey and corny. You can't help but love it. It's kind of like The Room with Tommy Wiseau. Here, it's trying to be serious, I think. But it's not even like bad to the point where it's hokey. It's just like... I it's don't even know. What it it's so dry. It's dry. There's it's not no dry humor. humor. There's nothing to it. I mean, to be fair, Snitsky as an actor was the most tolerable out of the whole entire cast, mainly because he's an actual former pro wrestler and he's had to do promos during his day. And he he was never a bad promo. I wouldn't say he was a main event caliber guy, but he was definitely somebody who. If I threw him into today's WWE, has way more star appeal than most of the guys today. Um, specifically in WWE, because that's a whole other can of worms I don't care to get into, but suffice to say. I just, if he was trying to make a serious film, I don't like to compromise my integrity because just to appease to uh, someone's feelings about their work. Again, no art is immune to scrutiny. And, in my opinion, all due respect to Snitsky, because he had a a lot of uh, input into this film. he you said he produced it and wrote it. This film didn't do anything for me. I'm sorry, it just didn't. I, I can't I can't compromise my integrity and and hide my opinion just to, not offend somebody it's that's just how i feel i'm not gonna be a dick about it i'm not gonna be like roger ebert or gene siskel and be like thumbs down this is the worst movie i've ever seen in my entire but this <laughs> i don't know how i feel about it it just is it's a movie with very little like backstory and you just got to make up in your head what, what the hell is going on
0: Yeah, this – obviously, this is a whole new field for uh, Snitsky. He's never – at least I don't think so – done any filming before. We mentioned he's been on TV before. He's done promos. I mean, it's showing his acting. I mean, he wasn't – I mean, really, none of the actors were really good. I mean, they weren't bad to the point they were intolerable. But, I mean, again, I I, I think the issue – was more so also on the story. The story just didn't make sense The script. It was, it was a flat dry script and you surround yourself with very decent actors. And then it, and I it just, it's just not going to make a good comedy. You're going to have a very flat movie in the end. And that's what, where we got here. And I, I'm not going to say, it's like, fuck this movie. This movie's terrible. No, 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 no. I mean, I, I like Snitsky. I liked his run in WWE. I, him punting the baby to the crowd was like one of my, favorite. it's like my the highlight for me with them. Um. Again, I went into this film being a fan of Snitsky. You know, I went. To, I, that's the reason we chose this because out of our respect for the guy, because we like the guy. But we're being honest, and honestly, as just like you said, this movie did nothing for me. I yeah. it ended like things are happening. I was just okay, okay, all right, you know. Uh, a lot. Of, I had a lot of issues with this, not just with the script, but uh, with the sound, uh, some of the dialogue. Uh, obviously, with the uh, what they were saying uh the sound noises like some some sounds would like just not have any noise like if a guy would scream and then the next scene it would just be quiet it was just like randomly cut off they're like ah! obviously this movie had a lot of issues this was made by obviously uh, a bunch of amateurs yeah and uh, i'm saying that I i'm saying that in the nicest way i can
1: i i guess because we're all over the place L- let me explain what the two swerves were so To give you an idea of one of the swerves, it starts with him and three other friends, his longtime friends, deciding to go on a camping trip. And they meet up with other people and they get some beer. For whatever reason, they want to get drunk, but yet one dude gets a pack of Old Duels, which is a non-alcoholic beer. I didn't understand (laughs) that. Anyways, so. One of his friends kept mentioning that he's losing that spark in his eye due to the family tragedy. That, again, is never explained. Oh, and by the way, he does see a spirit that says you're all going to die. Never explained who she is. If that was his relative or if that's somebody related to this Jeb guy that goes around killing people. Um, just none whatsoever. No explanation to that scene. Uh, that That's pretty much where my uh criticisms are it's just nothing is explained at all oh jeb tucker was the name of the main killer of this film again played by samu one half the head shrinkers from the early 90s um but anyways so the people that they recruit the two girls that had their friends those two girls get captured by this jeb tucker and put into like a basement And as well as some other victims that Jeb Tucker just happened to grab. Now, two of the friends that Gene Snitsky's friends with dies, obviously, by the killer. And one just goes mysteriously missing. And I'm thinking to myself, as he's having that big fight scene with Jeb Tucker, I'm like, "Whatever happened to that guy? He never died. Like, there was no death scene or whatever. Well... Come to find out, after Snitsky finally uh, beats the main villain and kills him, throws him into a bear trap with spikes and then lights him on fire, uh, he goes into that basement where all the people are locked in. And that, that friend that went missing apparently set this whole thing up so that he can have a spark in his eye. Like, he set the whole thing up for them to nearly get killed for no reason. And then he says, if you gotta hit me, then then hit me. I just wanna see the spark in your eye or whatever. And then Gene Snitsky's character just beats him to death. Like he literally punches his face in. Like his face is no longer there. He killed him by punching his skull in. That's how strong Snitsky's character was in this film. Yeah, within like six punches. Yeah. Well, the final scene in the film is one of the people that he rescues is this girl that he found a camera. That had footage of her on it, and come to find out, she was captured by Jeb Tucker and, and released her and said, "Go leave while I take care of Jeb Tucker." And that's when he kills her. And then, well, then the final scene is with him and that girl, and he and she's like, "Why are we back here?" Don't worry about it. Let me just show you something. They go back into that fucking uh, cellar and come to find out that Gene Sisky's character is now Jeb Tucker's new uh air like he's now the one like capturing these people and and hog tying them and all that
0: yeah that was and, very uh, weird because first of all when he told the girl to run off did she just stay in the front porch waiting for snitsky does she not run off does <laughs> she not run off
1: <laughs> How the hell did snitsky her? Oh, let me let, let me explain something here there's another scene that doesn't make sense so remember what i said when they um there's some scenes in between, uh, they, they go get some beer. There's a biker gang where they have one girl with them. A smoking hot girl. They kind of catcall her, but nothing really like out of the ordinary. And, and they don't really respond with negativity. It's just like, uh, it's who they are. Well... Later in the film, as Jeb Tucker's going to his killing spree, the biker gang shows up and then they decide that they're going to try and, and rob him or or kill him or whatever for no reason, no motivation to it, until Jeb Tucker comes and kills the whole gang other than the girl and just stabs her in the leg so he can capture her. Like, ne- A lot of scenes in this film just happened out of nowhere and made no sense. And, and the area they were camping in was supposed to be, like res- like, restricted.
0: Because obviously they were in an area because one of the friends was talking about this legend of this Jeb Tucker guy. He's kind of like an urban legend in the town. No folks like to talk about him. So they go into this area they were not allowed to go. But apparently everybody else is able to get in with no problem. They have to sneak in to get in. They have to cut through the gate.
1: How the hell did the girl and her friends get in? How did the biker gang get in? There was a lot of things that just happened without any explanation whatsoever. And that's really, I guess, my main right. Like, a lot of scenes just happened with no motivation, no rhyme or reason. Like, why did Snitsky turn, or Snitsky's character, I should say, why did he just suddenly turn bad with no motivation? Why did his friends set them up with no motivation whatsoever, or no hint that he was ever going to do so? Exactly. Why? What's, what's the friend's connection with this Jeb guy? What does the friend know about this family and how does he know all this? And again, what is Jeb's background? Because again, he got a shotgun bullet to the face, just brushed it off. And they never explained how he was able to survive that and survive all these years. They never explained why Jeb was such a homicidal killer. It just didn't make any sense and i'm just like it was a bunch of hot shotted scenes that i expected out of a vince russo written segment and i i don't know i i mean the, we all know well the wrestling fans that may listen to this podcast would know that jim Cornette hates vince russo and all of his booking jim Cornette would have a field day with this fucking movie and and how he feels about it he, because Jim Cornette's way more blunt with his opinion than I care to be, so I don't know. I I I was hoping that maybe it would be so cartoonishly like out there that I can like have fun with it, like a suburban Sasquatch or a Killer pinata or something like that. But I really can't. It's just it's it's a movie. It's it's a bad one in my opinion, but. It's not bad to the point where I'm so mad that I wasted my time with it. I'm just I don't know what I watched. <laughs> it's the whole thing what we said. I don't feel like I watched anything. Yeah, it was it was 85
0: minutes of nothing. It's a dry film. It's a lot of it's a lot of hot shot writing. Obviously, uh, Sniski wanted to do a horror movie just for the sake of doing a horror movie without really thinking of a of a logical horror story to tell. Obviously, he must have just saw either The Hills Have Eyes or Wrong Turn, liked those movies, and wanted to do his own version with it. Uh, Even his fight scene at the end he had with this Jeb guy, it was just so flat. Like, there was no excitement behind the fight scene at all. They were just fighting. And, and the way it was shot and ended didn't make sense either because when he back-body dropped the guy, I didn't know I didn't know he back-body dropped him onto a, a, a hole of
1: spikes because it was never established he was standing by in front of a hole of spikes. Keep in mind, you just said it. The fight is dry. You've got two professional wrestlers that are doing this fight scene. Like, you would think that two guys whose whole entire body of work is pro wrestling where it's all about working a fight working a fight to make it seem interesting it's just like that's what they gave us and 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 i think the reason it fell flat was because again there's no connection between jeb tucker and buck Seavers, the two characters involved it's just like it's like with any pro wrestling like to our fans who may not watch pro wrestling The whole point of pro wrestling is To engage the audience Into a fight that you want to see Because the two characters involved have a conflict And the conflict Could be anything It could be because uh, one's got a title And the other one wants it It could be uh, you slept with my my mother's sister's friend And I want to get revenge for it Whatever the case may be um, You create a conflict Between two individuals Men or women and you want to pay to see them fight. And in the fight, they do certain moves at certain times that give the crowd a pop, that get them invested. So in this case, we didn't get that build. Cause like any wrestling match, there's a build like Hogan and Andre, Hogan or Andre felt slighted that he never got a title shot after being undefeated for 15 years. And Bobby Heenan, being the weasel that he is, weaseled into Andre's ears saying, oh, he's a bad person. He bought it. Now he's going to fight Hogan. Now, Hogan's conflicted because Andre is his hero because that's the guy that broke him into the business, quote unquote, and and was like a childhood hero to him. And he doesn't want to fight his hero. But at the same time, he's now turned evil and he's got to stop him. And now the question is, can Hogan stop him? Because Andre's undefeated for 15 years, even though Hogan's immortal. So now, the crowd is invested. You got an undefeated giant for 15 years. You got the immortal Hulk Hogan, who's been champion at that point three years, and he's on top of the world. Who is gonna win? As they say, the irresistible force meets the immovable object. <laughs> we didn't get that type of story here. We got a Buck Seavers who's a guy who's going through a traumatic experience that's never explained really. It's just a family experience that he went through. And a Jeb Tucker guy who just kills people but for no real explanation whatsoever. So how are we supposed to get into the idea that can Buck Seavers beat this guy? Yes, he's a pro wrestler. Even in the movie, he's a pro wrestler. But how are we supposed to be invested in Buck Seavers trying to save himself from a guy who really has no explanation to his roots? I mean, Michael Myers didn't have much explanation to his character, but his character was way more defined than this Judd Tucker guy.
0: Yeah, and Jeb Tucker put up a competitive fight 40 years later against a professional wrestler. Wow. Why why can he take shotguns to the face? I don't know. Why does he look like that? I don't know. What's the story behind this guy? I don't know. What's the story behind Buck Seavers? What happened to his family? I don't know. Nothing. This film gave us nothing to work with. It gave us nothing to invest in.
1: Why should I give a shit?
0: What happens to anyone
1: in this movie? And like I said, it ended with a swerve that just... If For the sake of the it, Yeah, and keep in mind to any filmmakers, it's better to give people a predictive or predictable ending. Give them a predictable ending that people are satisfied with. They know they are coming, that it is coming and they want it as opposed to an unpredictable ending just so that you could swerve your audience. Because in the end, even though it may be unpredictable, it doesn't mean it's good. That's
0: oh that's always the risk with unpredictability. And some people have been told told me that unpredictability is overrated. And this film is a good example of that.
1: Yeah. Unpredictability can be good if it's done right, but if you just do it for the sake of it, I don't mean anything. Again, Vince Russo's whole ideology is on unpredictable booking because he wants to swerve his audience. But in the end, if none of it makes any sense whatsoever, then that's what's going to drive the audience away. Because it's like, okay, well now every week some stupid angle is going to happen that I'm just going to be more confused by. And I was confused by this because it's like there was no motivation for Buck Seavers to just all of a sudden be the bad guy and take over Jeb, Jeb's place. So, yeah, overall, thumbs down.
0: Yeah, uh, with all due respect, Snitsky, it's, it's amazing. This film had three writers and none of them were able to make sense of the story. They, they couldn't flush this out better. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, like I said, it, 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 I'm in the same boat with all due respect to Snitsky. Uh, was a nice guy when we met him. Very strong. Um, I obviously remember him very well during the uh, ruthless aggression era. He definitely left an impression. But this definitely was your fault.
0: Yes. Um, if I if I had to say one positive thing about this movie, at least they didn't do the day for night.
1: At least mm-hmm. they actually shot at nighttime. Oh, I don't know. Maybe if they did the day for night, it. I could at least be like, oh, that's stupid. <laughs> oh, but I can laugh at it if they had the goopy-ass um, special effects. But uh, I, uh, to be fair, they tried to do certain kill scenes with the limited uh, special effects that they had. So, <sighs> yeah, this this was not filmed film for me. I'm sorry. Just, just isn't. No,
0: with all due respect, I'm saying this as nicely as I can.
1: This movie sucks. Well, that's kind of an oxymoron.
0: <laughs> Sorry, it does. It's, it's not a good movie. There's nothing good about it. It's not one good thing I could say. Besides, I mentioned a day for night. But do you even want to? Does that even count? Is uh, that even
1: credit? I, I guess. I just. I don't know what more to say about it. I'm gonna uh. be honest.
0: Yeah, I think we covered everything. Snitsky, I think there's potential there for him as an actor. He just needs he needs better material to work with. Uh, as a writer, stay away, stay away from writing. You you tried, you tried. You 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 and your friends, you guys tried, and unfortunately, this is a big fat F. A zero out of ten. No stars. Two thumbs way down
1: can't really disagree it just uh, i don't know what i watched to be honest
0: if you want some if you want a movie like this i mean hills have eyes go watch that yeah watch wrong turn you might get a kick out of it it's not the best movie but i mean it has its moments i didn't didn't mind that movie so much but this one uh no hundred acres of hell skip this movie snisky we still love you
1: Yes, but again, this definitely was your fault. I'm actually mad he didn't punt a baby in this film. (laughs) He could have punched one of Jeb's like dwarf kids. (laughs) Yeah, I I, I mean, especially if he's just gonna go heal right afterwards to kick a baby or something, (laughs) Or, or read a poem about how he killed Lita's uterus or the baby inside her uterus.
0: Why are we going to get a cameo at the end from Heidenreich?
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. I like your poems. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. We are entertaining ourselves.
0: Oh, boy. But I think that's going to do uh, episode 29. For Monoxide, I'm Terminator Travis. $1 Patreon.com slash just chilling network. We'll see you guys on the next episode. And Snitsky, it is your fault.